Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. You know, this has been an interesting year. I, I don't recall any year in which we have had our people traveling as much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the last couple weeks, the last few days before school starts, we've had a flurry of people going here and there to last vacation before locking into school. But this is a different weekend. We actually have some folks that left Tulsa to travel north to experience the total eclipse. Now, I don't criticize those, but you know, for me, it gets dark every night. <laughs> but uh, such is life. <laughs> We're living in a time in which it seems the whole world is in disarray. Empires that have stood for centuries have fallen. Colonial systems have fallen. Stable countries are no longer stable. For the first time in the history of humanity, we now have the ability to totally obliterate the human race with the development of nuclear weapons. Our nation is divided in a way it's never been divided since the war between the states and its aftermath. Anger and hatred and reason just seems to be flying out the window in so many quarters. Various philosophies are warring as to who's going to define what it means to be an American. Also, philosophies and theologies are warring as to who's going to define what it means to be a Christian. Our nation is so far in debt, there are some that are saying we never can survive, and there's probably some kind of an economic tragedy down the road. The state of Oklahoma's Constitution requires that we have a balanced budget. Our budget is not balanced, and for various reasons, and people are trying to figure out how can we solve it, and the solution isn't easy. Our school teachers are underpaid, and no one seems to know the solution. There's just a sense in the air of everything being in disarray. And what are we to do? Is there any word from the Lord? Ezekiel 37 has an interesting episode. Because Israel had departed so far from God, the Lord caused the ten northern tribes that comprised that nation to be carried away into captivity and they never came back as a nation. Judah continued to survive, but in time, Judah also, worshiping idols, departing from God in many ways, the Lord said, it's time to ring down the curtain on Judah. The prophet at that time during the reign of Zedekiah, who was the last Judean king, was Jeremiah. And the Babylonians came against Jerusalem and against Israel. The Egyptians, which Judah tried to rely on for a while, started to advance. The Babylonians pulled back. Then the Egyptians went back to Egypt and the Babylonians came forth with more strength. And through the prophet Jeremiah, God said to the nation, 
This is God's discipline. Anyone who surrenders and goes out to the Babylonians will live. But all who insist on staying in Jerusalem will die either by the sword or by famine or by pestilence. Because Jeremiah was faithfully delivering this word of God, many began to call him a traitor. And he was falsely accused and beaten and thrown into prison. Zedekiah, seeing the Babylonians having laid siege to his city, had Jeremiah brought from the dungeon and secretly brought to the palace and secretly asked him this question. Is there any word from the Lord? False prophets had said time and time again, Yes, Judah will be delivered. The Babylonians will be driven back. And that's what Zedekiah was hoping Jeremiah would say. Jeremiah said, Yes, there is a word from the Lord. Jerusalem is going to be overcome. It's going to be burned. And you're going to be carried off to Babylon as a captive. In times like these, we also ask, is there any word from the Lord? Zedekiah asked wanting to know something about the future. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, except that becomes at times a perverted obsession on the parts of people. So we'll go to fortune tellers. Tell me what's going to happen in the future. Frankly, I think sometimes some prophetic conferences be that. People come to prophets just like they would go to fortune tellers. Tell me the future. Now, I certainly know that does happen from time to time. It happened to me in the middle 70s. When TCF was meeting in schoolhouses and didn't have a building of its own at Beller Christian Church, we opened our building to TCF, and various meetings were held there. The, uh, there was a house church for uh, single young adults led by the hearts. There were various events. First place, Ed and Nancy and I met where we were cleaning up dishes in the kitchen after some kind of a TCF event. And when there were weekday teachings, traveling teachers TCF brought to town, the place these took place uh, were in the uh, building at Bel Air, and Barbara and I always attended. Charles Schmidt was teaching at one time, and Barbara and I were attending. We were seated all the way halfway back, the middle of the pew, and at the conclusion of his teaching, Charles Schmidt said, Oh, Laddie McDonough just walked in. Laddie, do you have a word for someone? And Laddie looked at the congregation from the back and said, I have a word for one man. And he went to the front and called Barbara and me up. And he looked at me and he said, you are going to become known as a wise man. And you're going to become a counselor to church leaders all across this nation. And that was it. Jim Noblet, who was recording a session, he did call Gordon and Sue up later and have a word for them as well. But they gave me a, a, a CD, or rather a cassette of it. I got rid of it. 
If God's going to do it, He's going to do it. (laughs) I don't need to know that. All I need to do is to be obedient to the Lord. But I cannot deny that for the last 30 years, through nothing on my part at all, God has had me as a counselor to church leaders in California, state of Washington, Connecticut, New Hampshire, New York, Virginia, Mississippi, Missouri, (laughs) Indiana, Illinois. (laughs) I tell you, it's a horrible burden. But that was a prophetic word that was given that came true. But the tragedy is sometimes, in a perverted way, we want to know the future. Instead of saying, God, what is your will for today? Show me, and I'll do it. And so we ask today, in these turbulent times, in which it seems everything that at one time was stable and we counted on, that is in such disarray, like Zedekiah, we ask with a different motive, is there any word from the Lord? And as Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, yes, there is. What is the first word? Well, the first word is very obvious, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Our goal is not necessarily to change nations, but nations are changed as we evangelize and people come to Christ and more and more members of a population become servants of Jesus and that society changes when that happens. My brothers, my sisters, as I look around the churches with which I have a relationship around this nation, one thing that is not happening is evangelism. We're more concerned about oiling the internal machinery, and there's nothing wrong with that. But our mission is to tell people about Jesus. We're living in a world full of people going straight to hell. Someone has said if TCF doesn't begin evangelizing in a few years, TCF won't exist. Our purpose for evangelism should not be to preserve TCF. Our purpose in evangelism is to save the lost. And out of that, perhaps God will give TCF a long life. But that's his business, not ours. Our business is to proclaim the gospel. Sad to say, I don't see much of that happening anywhere. But that's the first word from God. Is there any word from the Lord? Yes. Make disciples of all the nations. And here's how you do it. And he told us. Now in this society in which we live, there is another word, and the second word is this, obey. Obey the laws. Obey the structures of a nation. 1 Peter 3, submit yourself, notice this, for the Lord's sake. To every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who are right, 
For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as slaves of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. Romans 13, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. It is important that regardless of what sort of thing comes down the pike, we be obedient citizens. As I read the biographies of men of God in the early years of the church, I am so inspired by what they were willing to do in order to be faithful to God. Men like Polycarp and Irenaeus and Ignatius. But there's an interesting thing that happened one time when the Roman Caesar said, you are to prosecute Christians and imprison them and torture them and kill them. And there was a governor named Pliny. And one of his writings give us one of the interesting pictures of the church in his age. And Pliny, Pliny wrote to the emperor Trajan. He said, now I know I'm supposed to arrest Christians. I know we're supposed to prosecute them. But please tell me what crime can I accuse them of? <laughs> now I'm loosely paraphrasing. He said they pay taxes, they keep the laws, they're good citizens. Of what can I charge them and convict them? <laughs> what a wonderful testimony. <laughs> Whatever happens in our nation, let us not be known as rabble-rousers and troublemakers, but let us be known as those who are good citizens of the land in which we live. And that in itself is a testimony to our culture. The third word is, when necessary, respectfully disobey. When the apostles were preaching Jesus and people were coming to them for healing and the crowds got greater and greater and greater. The Jewish authorities became upset because people were starting to elevate Jesus Christ. And not to elevate them. And so they arrested the apostles and they said, we, we, here we find this in Acts 4, 18 and 20. When they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Notice the answer. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. We cannot stop speaking what we've seen and heard. And they went back into the same arena and continued to speak and preach Jesus Christ. 
and perform miracles. In Acts 5, we find chapter 2 in this story. They are arrested again. This time, not just Peter and John, but all the apostles were arrested, put in jail, brought before the authorities, said, Now we told you not to do this anymore. And they said, Well, what is right in the sight of God or man? We have to keep speaking. And the Jewish authorities realized that the crowd was on the side of the apostles. And they said, what are we going to do? So they flogged them. Think about this. Every one of the apostles experienced the same whipping Jesus experienced. They were flogged as was our Lord. And they left rejoicing that they had the honor of suffering for Christ. Now I want you to think about this. The crowd was on their side. They could have walked out into that crowd and said, Do you see what they've done to us? A riot would have ensued. They could have got some placards and started marching down the street, <laughs> causing an uproar. But they respectfully disobeyed. You are the authorities. You're the government. You're the governors. We respect you. We respect your authority and the position you occupy. But we must, with respect, disobey. And joyfully accept the consequences. I wonder... Given the direction things are going, if the time will come when you and I may have to make that choice in which we look at those in authority, we recognize you're there, we recognize God has allowed you to be there, perhaps even put you there, and you're going to have to answer to him. We respect you. We will not cause trouble, but neither can we obey you. And so the third word is respectfully disobey. And the fourth word from the Lord is this, pray. First Timothy 3, first of all, I urge that treaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority in order that we may, do, may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. Where I work out at the gym, it's sort of interesting to measure the temperature of culture and society. <laughs> I try to avoid conversations as much as I can because I allocate just a certain amount of time on the clock from when I leave home with my attire, work out, get back home, shower, and back at work. I try to watch the clock and not waste any time there at all. But there are people that keep coming up to talk to me. Ed and Nancy can talk about that. They work out the same place, face the same issues. So does Mark. It's so interesting when people come up to me what they want to talk about. A couple of weeks ago, the topic was North Korea 
intercontinental missiles and nuclear warheads. <laughs> and one man came up and said, are you ready to go up in flames? And he was serious and he was anxious. <laughs> Fear. What is our response? Pray with petition and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, kings, all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. You know, we get so, and appropriate so, because we love one another. But I wonder, do we get so focused on prayers for one another that we do not give time praying for rulers, for kings, <laughs> for the North Korean leader, for the president, can you imagine what a challenge it must be to be the president of the United States today? I can't imagine any human ever wanting to be that. Think of the responsibility. Every word you say is going to be parsed. Everything you do is going to impact not only this nation but the world. What a horrible responsibility. The only thing that I can think of that is greater than that is to be an elder. And I'm serious. Because an elder is a steward of the bride of Christ, not in the earthly kingdom. My brother and my sister, the fourth word from God is this. Pray for our rulers. In World War II, which was fought during my teen years, the local church I attended, we had the practice of much prayer. America was a praying people in World War II. Anytime there was a new landing, a new event, there was a prayer meeting. And there were certain things that were anticipated and we were to watch and when that happened to gather and pray. Japanese formally signed the surrender treaty on September 2nd, 1945 on the battleship Missouri. But it was August 14th that they sent word, we quit. <laughs> and there were celebrations all over America. Life magazine, which was the equivalent of television in those days, had a picture of a sailor kissing a woman on Times Square. Indeed, that happened. But in our church, rather than marching on the streets, it was a time of prayer and thanksgiving. I think we're in such a time now that we need to seriously come before God concerning our president, concerning our governor, concerning our Congress, concerning our Supreme Court, concerning the leader of North Korea. <laughs> the fourth word of God is this, pray. But let's remember this. There's a gospel song. I don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> I just live for day to day. And the closing line, 
I know who holds the future, and he holds my hand. Is there a word from God for us today? Yes, there is. And this morning, you have heard it. May he be praised.